0: So I have just a, a few announcements to make. Again, welcome to the Tallgrass Church family. Really great, grateful that you're here. Again, if you're joining us online, we're, we're grateful that you're joining us for worship as well. Hey, we invite you all to like and to share the post wherever you're seeing this stream online. So even if you're in person, you can take a couple moments and share the Facebook uh, post, the stream that are on, is on your church's page. We think in, in the age of such deep division that the gospel presentation is, is really clearly done even by demonstrating how unified we can be as, as two churches. And so, this is a great way to get the, the gospel message out, even by, just simply by sharing it online. So, uh, depending on which, uh, which church community you're a part of, there are a couple different ways to participate in giving. And so uh, you'll, you'll find your giving page at your church's website. So if you're with Tallgrass, tallgrass.church slash give. If you're at The Well, thewellmhk.com slash give. And so whether you're in person or you're online, you're welcome to, to, to worship God uh, today through your giving. And then also in the back, we have uh, the two boxes. So if you're with Tallgrass, there's the black box, which, by the way, we had a great time, uh, uh, Sarah and I, commenting on the black box for giving for Tallgrass Church. I just I love that idea of I don't know it's a black box so there you go (laughs) Uh, and then if you're you're with the well community we have our joy box in the back so yeah we we obviously love celebrating giving here so uh, next week we are we are really excited because we, we thought initially like let's get our churches together for a worship service and we thought hey We think this is gonna be such a good time, let's just do it two weekends in a row. So, next weekend, we'll all be back here at 10 a.m. for worship, and so you're welcome to come back and and celebrate Jesus and and get to know more people that way. Um, We also are gonna have a pizza party after our service for lunch, so we hope you can stick around. We're gonna have pizza, we have these big round tables that we wheel in here, and it's gonna be a great, chaotic, fun time. So, here's the deal. If you look around on your chair, either you sat on it or you moved it out of the way, Grab that because there's something important that I need you to know about this. You know what this is? This is a free ticket to have lunch with me. So I really want you to grab that and take that. And if you know someone who doesn't have a faith community here in the Manhattan area, go ahead and give that to them. This is a great way just to slide across and give them an invite to church. And again, Show them how we're representing the gospel by unifying and, and collaborating two church communities. Okay, so next week, ten o'clock, we'll be here. Following that, will be uh, pizza, and so it's going to be a good good time. So, again, uh, we are, uh, we've just had such a great time working with uh, pastors uh, Ben and Dave, uh, dreaming about coming together, having a combined worship service. Having the opportunity to to worship together, to celebrate Jesus, and to meet new people. And so we're calling this Better Together. We're thinking about possible kingdom collaborations, what that might even look like in the future for our two church communities. And like I said, this is such a a creative and bold way to show people the gospel because we live in such a divided time. Uh, If you look over like the past year, There's so much that has been happening in our country and around the world that has highlighted the divisions and the us versus them mentality. So David French, who is a constitutional lawyer, wrote a book uh, several years ago called The Great American Divorce. And he said this, it's time for Americans to wake up to a fundamental reality— The continued unity of the United States of America cannot be guaranteed. At this moment in history, there is not a single important cultural, religious, political, or social force that is pulling Americans together more than it is pushing us apart. We cannot assume that a continent-sized, multi-ethnic, multi-faith democracy can remain united forever. And it will not remain united if our political class cannot and will not adapt to an increasingly diverse and divided American public. Don't you feel that? Like, don't you just feel that in your gut? Like, there is nothing uh, uh, going on that is strong enough that's pulling us together. Most everything is pushing us apart. Like, you just feel that when you watch the news or scroll through your social media feed. It's, there's a lot going on that are keeping us divided. Now, my, my message is that mainly, uh, it's not going to delve into the political aspects of this, so whether or not you appreciate David French or where he's coming from or where he leads politically, like the point is, the world needs a witness. The world needs someone to pull us together, and if it's not the church, then who's going to do it? Because any, anything else that, that tries to pull us together is going to be a secular counterfeit of what Jesus really wants to offer the world and what Jesus really wants to offer us, if it's not the church. And can we, even not ourselves, begin to think how we can be the solution to this deep divide, this problem that's presenting us in all spheres of our life? And I just want to tell you that the Scripture anticipates the human condition. It knows the human condition. There's nothing new under the sun, is what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes. Further in Ecclesiastes, he uh, he writes this, and I'm going to read from the New International Version. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 says this, two are better than one. Two are better than one. That's why we're here. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor, if any of the, either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity, now check this out. I want you to feel this. But pity is anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And, and that's many of our conditions right now. Over the last year, the, the, panic has, uh, the pandemic has really exacerbated not only divisions, but the feeling of loneliness. Now, you may not see this. Uh, go back to that, that slide with Ecclesiastes. I want you to see this. Though one may be overpowered. Now, you may not say, I feel overpowered. I mean, there's probably not many of us that are getting in fistfights in the alley, right? So it's not like you really need help, like defending yourself in that way. Some of you are shrugging. I'm really worried. As I get to know you, there's some weird faces and looks on your, on your exchanges. So uh, you may not f- say overpowered, but how many of us would say, I've felt overwhelmed in the last year, in the last week? We've said, I just feel overwhelmed. Like, I'm going to take a personal day. I'm going to, we've, we've uh, now I'm going to tread lightly here, but we've created the whole new category of mental health day which I appreciate, and I've taken many of of my own accord, but we've created new categories because our our mental, emotional, spiritual health is feeling out of control. Many of us feel overwhelmed with what's going on in the world. And the writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest man who's ever lived, said two are better than one because when you feel overwhelmed, there's a support system, there's a structure there's friends, there's family that come, can come alongside you and help you up when you've fallen down. So, in the New Testament, Paul really drives this point home. In the second chapter of Ephesians, again, I'm going to read from the NIV. He says this, talking about these divisions that exist in our world, talking about the human condition that's just updated for the 21st century, but he addressed it in the first century. He says, now in Christ Jesus, you who you who were once far away have been brought near. He says this. He says, our deepest need is that we've been alienated from God. We've rebelled since the fall, and we have a fundamental need that we cannot solve ourselves of being distanced, alienated, and, and alone left to ourselves away from God. And Paul says, but now Jesus has been given to you so that you can be brought near to God by the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace who has made two groups. He's talking specifically about Jews and Gentiles. The two groups that were at war with each other, that are alienated, and you could see this even down through today with the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. These two groups, their hope isn't in a ceasefire. Their hope isn't in any kind of political maneuvering. Their hope is actually in Jesus, but not only them, all of us Because of our alienation from God, Jesus solves that primary problem. And the gospel implication is that it actually brings people groups together. It actually brings warring enemies together. It brings people that have broken relationships together. He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. So that which we could never do on our own, Jesus has done on our behalf by giving his own life. That solves the fundamental problem of our warring with God or being an enemy with God. God first deals with this division and that which we experience with him. Jesus provides that reconciliation. He not only models for us what a healthy dependence on God looks like, but also makes it possible through his atoning death on the cross. And not only that, he provides us a way to be reconciled with each other and find deep and healthy unity together. To fully experience renewed life in the kingdom means that we resist the siren song of our culture that says we're better off on our own, we do the hard work of building life-giving relationships because Jesus is our peace. We can have peace with others, and we do the humbling work of making amends where needed. All of this is glorifying to God, and it brings great joy and relief to our lives. Not only does does, does collaboration and partnership and peace between people bring bring uh, glory to God, it brings this relief of not having to do things on your own. Christina Cleveland uh, is, uh, she's, uh, wrote a book called Disunity in Christ, uncovering the hidden forces that keep us apart. She says this, To respond to God's call fully, we need to express our interdependent diversity in individual churches, denominations, and organizations, as well as in the worldwide body of Christ. We must be connected to those who are different within our respective churches, and we must be connected to those who are different in the larger body of Christ. This is the tall order of multi-level unity to which Paul calls us. This degree of unity requires a humble posture that values the perspectives and gifts that other parts offer, recognizes the dire need for interdependence between the parts, and accordingly invests significant resources toward connecting with other parts. The broken and fragmented body needs to be healed. We've lost sight of our framework, and as a result, we are hurting. Dr. Cleveland is pointing to a collaborative reality that the Apostle Paul then later in Ephesians develops further. In Ephesians 4, he says this in verse 11 and on. So Christ gave himself, at when, when, and, and today is uh, uh, Trinity Sunday. It's a, a, a mark on the liturgical calendar where we just just like peer into the mystery of the Trinity. Um, he says that uh, when Christ ascended, He gave gifts to his church. Now, this is kind of opposite from the Roman culture. When the the emperor would uh, subdue a a neighboring uh, country, uh, he would receive gifts from those people. He would line them up kind of in a procession and take things from those countries and those nations that he had won the war. And and Christ is the opposite of this. He's opposite of a warring emperor. He's the one who ascends and then gives gifts to his church. It's It's an awesome image. Uh, so he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, and he, did, he gave them for this reason, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, when this happens, when, when, when the body is collaborating and working together and using their gifts in partnership, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So when, when, when the church is using her gifts to serve each other as intended by Jesus, then we are grown up, and, and actually three things really happen in, in this, this portion of Scripture that I want to pay attention to. There's maturity, where Jesus is properly and fully represented. We grow up, and we mature in our faith. Secondly, there's stability and discernment, so we're not falling for fa- falsehoods. We're not tossed to and fro by every s- scheme or strategy, every, every lie or, or deceit that the world has to offer. And there's growth into a deep and rich support system that demonstrates love. We, we not, not just say we, we love each other as God wants us to, we actually demonstrate love by being there for each other, by serving, by helping, by lifting each other up, by, by helping when someone's overwhelmed or I guess overpowered in some of your cases. Like we, are, we get involved in each other's lives that way to, to develop this thick web of relational support. So a couple of things that I just wanna mention briefly, a couple of roadblocks to collaboration. Those two things are moralizing discomfort and a simple pragmatism. What I mean by moralizing discomfort is that in our country, we have codified the pursuit of happiness in our founding documents, but this is really morphed in some sort of entitlement, believing that, that I deserve happiness in my life. And therefore, if I deserve a happiness, anything that stands in the, way, in the way of happiness or anything that's uh, uncomfortable, anything that's not easy uh, is, is wrong. I, I've moralized good and bad around happiness, Anything that's, that's difficult, therefore, is wrong in my life. And we need to be reminded that the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. Just because something is hard doesn't mean it's wrong. Oftentimes, God calls us to the hard things. God calls us to suffer for our faith. God calls us to, to sacrifice and give things up. And this, this is very countercultural in our day and age, where every, everybody is about me and mine, and, and shunning people and things and, and, and organizations that don't serve them. But, uh, when, we, when we call for a serving of, of a higher purpose. We must be aware that Jesus often will ask us to do hard things to mature our faith. Uh, what, I've, what I've found is it's hard to make new acquaintances and new friends. That's a hard thing. Especially as you get older, it's hard. And what's really difficult is asking For forgiveness. It's really humbling to say, I screwed up, I'm sorry, I'll fix it, will you forgive me? That is so humbling, and yet Jesus calls it that difficult work of repairing relationships. So just because something's hard doesn't mean it's wrong or bad. It actually may be the thing that God calls us to. Secondly, another roadblock to uh, collaboration is simple pragmatism. A lot of times we, um, we just look at what works, what makes sense, and we do that. One plus one equals two? Okay, that works on paper. Let's, let me get involved. Uh, it's a twin danger because I don't want my life to be on autopilot. I don't want to give lip service to, that, that I serve Jesus as Lord and Savior, but, but don't involve him in daily decisions that I make. Are you following me? Does this make sense? Okay, two people. Well, I love you guys and the rest of you. I'm praying for a lot, okay? Uh, we want to stay in step with God's Spirit. We want him to guide and direct us, not to just do the easy thing, not to do the thing that makes the most sense, but to do the thing that God has called us to do and let him figure out how to work out the details. Sometimes being easygoing and going with the flow means that I haven't invited God to speak into my circumstances lately. Sometimes what makes the least sense is exactly what God has called you to do. So, finally, I, I would just want to wrap up with another uh, Quote from Dr. Cleveland from her book, Disunity in Christ. And I want you to read this. I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to start. We need to adopt the belief. And and instead of we need to, to, I want you to ask yourselves, what if we? What if we? So what if we adopted the belief that to be a follower of Christ means to care deeply about and pursue other followers of Christ, including the ones that we don't instinctively value or like? What if we adopted the belief that to be a follower of Christ means to allow our identities as members of the body of Christ to trump all other identities? What if we adopted the belief that to be a follower of Christ means to put our commitment to the body of Christ above our own identity and self-esteem needs? We've coped with our divisions long enough. It's time for us to discover our true identities as members of the family of God. It's time for us to rally around this identity overcome our divisions and change the world. So I'm gonna invite Pastor Ben up and we're just gonna talk. We're gonna have a, a, a lighthearted maybe conversation about about how things are and, and where things could be going. So sure. Either way. You got long legs, you can make it up on the stage. <laughs> yeah, good man. Hey, thank you for, for coming and being here. It's really really great to have you and and everyone. We, we appreciate Dave. Yes.
1: It's great to be here. I see
0: you
1: all. I, the, the, the there are bright lights here. I was wondering if I'd be able to see people and I can make people's yeah. faces
0: out. So that's good. It's wonderful. This is the second week uh, without the majority being masked. And it was, I almost forgot last week when I looked at everybody like, oh, their faces looking back at me. Because yeah. remember in the beginning of the pandemic, it was a camera yeah. and it was people but masks. And now it's like, oh, this is kind of nice.
1: But we, uh, we had a Zoom, so I saw everyone's oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, faces right. throughout oh, yeah. the whole time. So.
0: Okay, very cool. Well, yeah, so give me like, just to fill uh, people from the well in, give us like the maybe two-minute history, two-minute version of, of uh, the history of Tallgrass. Yeah, okay.
1: Tallgrass Church. Uh, so we came out of New Hope Church. Uh, we planted April 8, 2018. Uh, a, pretty much a two to three-ish life groups formed the, the launch team and, um, yeah, so we began, we, we met at College Heights Sunday evenings at five, initially then at four. And, um, so we were enjoying that space up on Anderson and I'm trying to think here. We had about 30 to 40 in our launch team, a bunch of kids. I think you might've heard the kids, uh, running to the bathroom. <laughs> yes. That's what that, that was. was. That
0: stampede was, ki- okay. Yeah. 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 Right. That, yeah.
1: You told yeah. me that's what that that's was. It. So, Just along. um, yeah, uh, let's see here. Then, um, so the first year was, was really just getting our, our uh, feet on the ground. It was, there was a lot of challenges, some of them internal. Uh, we had some health concerns that really uh, came up really quick. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was tough, you know, planting a new church. Yeah. Uh, second year, we felt like we were gaining some traction, some steam, some momentum, kind of roots going deep. And then pandemic hit year yeah. three, yeah. and that kind of brings us to this point in history. Yeah. So is that two minutes or less?
0: That's, that's good. Okay. That's Man, I'm impressed. Uh, we'll yeah. see, see if I can do that. So we, uh, the, the Webble started in 2008 as an outreach service of Real Life Church. So it started uh, over at the Wareham around the corner. And uh, Real Life was out, uh, met in the evenings when New Hope met in the mornings out at Flint Hills Christian School. And so what we realized, uh, there was a group of people that said, hey, we want to actually uh, bring like a worshipful community to downtown Manhattan because we have friends and co-workers and stuff who aren't or maybe younger, and they think driving out to the gym is far. So we're going to plant this here. And so we we came on, Sarah and I, in uh, January 2010, and then we planted as our own standalone church in 2012. And so we've been here in this building uh, since that summer of 2012. And the what was really started to uh, reach uh, young adults, young professionals, and especially those that have been... Either hurt by church, burned by church, or just don't have any kind of faith background. As like hard as it that is to believe in the Midwest, there are more and more people that have just no idea. They've never been to a Sunday school, never been to a youth group, didn't uh, haven't attended church at all. That there's that growing segment, and so the well said we we want to bring the gospel to the heart of, of Manhattan city center and see if we can invite them into maybe an alternative kind of gathering. And so we've we've uh, just kind of. Uh, ridden that ride ever since, and so it's been it 's been enjoyable ups and downs, planting a church like you said, trying to figure it out. I call church planting um, it 's like building a ship that 's already set sail it 's like you, you you realize like some of this is rearranging deck chairs on a Titanic or it can feel like that sometimes sometimes like yeah we need we should have put that there let 's tear that down and build the thing over here and it's just it 's just been crazy and then yeah, pandemic hit so so tell me about. Where uh, where have you seen God at work over the last year during the pandemic? And then you know maybe one of the big challenges that you guys have faced.
1: That's a great question. Uh, some my big thought on through the pandemic is uh, when when pandemic hit. I don't know if you all remember. Tall Grassians would remember. Uh, very quickly we went to Zoom um, and we were meeting at four o'clock in the afternoon on Zoom. And we knew <laughs> one of our biggest challenges up to that point was getting to Sunday mornings because it just seems that. Every time you hear about a church plant that meets on Sunday evenings, they either died or eventually got to Sunday morning. So yeah. Yeah. in the middle of that um, Zoom session, I don't know if anyone remembers, but I said, hey, I'm pretty sure next week we'll meet at 10 a.m. Our problem has been solved. Um, and our, our theme, <laughs> yeah, pandemic it's, gifted it's us way. Sunday mornings. Look
0: at it. <laughs> we, we were kind of toasting,
1: knowing we wanted to get to Sunday mornings, but the, where we were meeting was comfortable and and all the things like that. Um, so, pandemic gifted us Sunday mornings immediately, and uh, that, which was a good thing. Uh, but we started with a, a sermon series called New Normal, yeah. and we thought, how do we uh, maximize this global pandemic to establish new normals, so, yeah. pick up some things that some of us have never engaged in, spiritual disciplines-wise, or um, start some, you know, or pick some old ones up. And what I've seen is that people have either really drifted off or they've really gone deeper. And so I've seen that the people that seem to be hungry, hungry for community, hungry to grow, uh, they have been able to do that through this pandemic. And that others maybe who haven't been as hungry have kind of um, drifted off. And and it's like um, COVID-19 is the new I'm busy card or something like that. So I've seen uh, a pruning process, um, Although we're still in the midst of that, it feels like pruning individually and just as churches and kind of questioning, okay, what is ahead? Like, what are these roots really deep enough to sustain this? I mean, that quote you gave, the polarization we all feel, but I've seen uh, people be able to be resilient and, and just one quick story. Um, Our friend, soldier AJ, who is now with his kids in Florida, who we got, all of our interaction with him was during the pandemic and it was a huge impact in his life and we may or may not get to see the fruit of that but man he the smile on his face the time with his kids he couldn't thank me and others enough like for the impact made in the few few months there and then you know key to or uh, true to Manhattan he's a soldier and he's he's now transitioned but that's just one story I've seen that's like God is doing great things no matter what the circumstances That's right. bring. So,
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's I, I uh, was leaning into lots of different um, voices, pastors, leaders trying to figure out in the early days of the pandemic, like, how, how do we lead through this? Like, no one's done this before. And I was just reminded several times, like what you just said, the mission of Jesus doesn't change. The strategy can always change. But the mission to make disciples, to love God with everything is always the same. Uh, it, there was a lot of pivoting. You know, I almost hate using that word because I'm kind of tired of it. Even new normal, no offense. Like, I probably won't listen to that sermon series. back <laughs> You know, but... Uh, it was really good. It was really good. <laughs> really life-giving. <laughs> so, so, yeah, learning how the mission of Jesus goes forward in the midst of this and leveraging all the online and digital things. And I think for us, we experienced something really similar where we we got back to the basics of, okay, what is church? What does it look like? If we can't be in the same building at the same time, you know, discipleship, prayer, just getting back to Acts 2 community, uh, even if it's online, things like that, smaller groups, distance. Uh, there was something almost like refining and refreshing about that. And so, that, but I, for us, I think the challenge was that our, our stre- there's a shadow side to the strength of the well. The strength of the well has been uh, kind of this unapologetic, we, we want to reach uh, unchurched people, and specifically like young ad- adults. And, and we are just, we're in Manhattan, Kansas, downtown by, by K-State, MCC, and Fort Riley. And over the years, we've done a, a pretty good job of just not not as much feeling like you're preaching to a parade, although that, that can set in, but just positioning ourselves so that we're equipping and sending people, ascending people as they come in and then go out. But the challenge for, for post-pandemic, like lifting the lockdowns, is who's visiting churches right now? Like, so when we are sending people, we're not getting the backfilling of like reaching out to new people because everybody's like, no, being in a room with people I don't know to like Check out the gospel that I'm not sure I believe in. That's really difficult, and so we've seen a lot of attrition over the last year as we have poured into people and then send them, but there's not that 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 uh, rebuilding coming in behind us. So
1: I didn't answer the challenge. Um,
0: oh, I thought you did. So, I, I don't know if I did, uh, <laughs>
1: but you were, when you're sharing, um, so yeah, the getting to 10 a.m. was one challenge that yeah. was addressed. But okay. so yeah, there's there's a lot of challenges. Uh, we, we've we been able to, you know, reach families with young kids, and it's been amazing uh, how how stable we've been, whether it's financially or just uh, continuing to be able to meet with all the demands of a mobile church setting up and tearing down right. and, and having all the kids. So the future is bright for Tallgrass Church because we have this herd of kids that are presumably going to grow up, and, and, and we want to invest in them and have them walk with, with Christ. But there's been those certain... Demographics that you yeah. described that have been in our heart and mind to reach, but we've kind of been a little bit like deer in the headlight just trying to, to survive and make things happen, yeah. and we've, we've not been able to get those inroads going really, really well. Although we feel that our our mission or the vision for neighboring and really having roots of tall grass go deep into all the neighborhoods uh, in the MHK and the surrounding community, we, we can see that, that vision and begin to envision it happening, um, but we're just trying to kind of survive in a way yeah, and get yeah. to the the next season. The way I, the words I put to it is, you know, we want to see the new growth of spring after a very difficult winter. Yeah, yeah. And um, and we've had, you know, we've had some um, uh, some leadership families actually leave early January, and and that was really hard. Yeah. And so. Uh, But we have a a strong team nonetheless, so we've been able to weather that from a leadership standpoint. Um, But yeah, I'll I'll draw the line there on challenges. That's good,
0: that's good, yeah. How how much time do we have, you know? Yeah. Uh, So, you know, and I appreciate uh, maybe... People probably don't know even the backstory of, like, our friendship. We've just known each other for a long, long time, uh, probably, like, 05, something like that. Yeah. Somewhere mid, mid-aughts, whatever yep. that is. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, we kind of watched from a distance. Like, I remember Henry and I were at the launch of Tallgrass, like, yep. cheering you guys on and just, just wanting to be mm-hmm. there to support. Because, you know, ha- being a church planner, I know how hard that can be and, and, and whatnot. And, and even through the pandemic, like, we've, we got coffee, probably maybe not once a month maybe every six weeks something like that like how are you doing okay <laughs> like surviving but i'll tell you uh, one thing that i really appreciated uh was we met i don't know if it was march of this year um you were sharing something that a coach had told you i think it was a coach uh and and she said i think it was she uh said you know you made it you survived like can can we just celebrate that and it was like oh yeah we made it through a pandemic like I still love my family, and my family loves me, and we're still pastors, and like, is that enough? Sometimes it's just enough to make it through sometimes. I always want to I, I thrive. I always, I always want to go, I don't want to settle for just surviving, but sometimes like through a pandemic, it's okay. We made it, and, and to be together and, and just say, kind of exhale, that was really life-giving in that moment. It might have seen, seemed very minor, but it was like, yeah, dude, we, we did it. Like, we, no one's done this before. That's incredible.
1: On that note, so who remembers uh, our one-year celebration, Tallgrass Church? We invited a bunch of friends. It was great because we met that uh, evening. So friends involved in other churches could Mm -hmm. come. We had a—Dylan flew a drone and took this sweet video. We had an amazing cake, and it was like, wow, we're heading into year two. This is awesome. That was that momentum. Who remembers our two-year celebration (laughs) on Zoom? I can't even quite remember. (laughs) And (laughs) then— Three years uh, celebration, it was like, okay, we need to drum up some enthusiasm. And yes, yeah, you're right, uh, a yeah. coach from KLC was like, when are you celebrating? You yeah. guys are still standing. And I thought, oh, yeah, we need to, ce- we're so here good. in so this good. moment yeah. right now with the future ahead and, a, and we have this history of God's provision and right. we can be present right now. And you now. got manna.
0: Yeah. It was a pizza party, right? That's like, right. Just, what we is did it? Have pizza. Pizza, we had awesome. plenty of pizza for that yes. three-year celebration. So. That's good. So the joke
1: is, sorry, was, now I'm, I'm going on too much, but we had just <laughs> talked about, you know, Jesus feeding 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. We're like, what does it mean when you have twice as much pizza as needed and the people aren't there? What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know.
0: Okay. I don't know. That's good. We'll though. figure that out That's later. good. Um, so what, what excites you about collaboration and partnership?
1: Yeah, there's a lot. uh, So, in principle, the idea of uh, churches asking the question and taking it serious—like, what what might it look like to ask the question? Could we be better together? I think, in principle, I like that. Just, I think more and more churches probably should ask the question: shared resources, shared teams, and just if there's alignment and vision and mission. So, I like that in general. But then, uh, just the 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 story this wouldn 't happen if we didn 't have all those coffee dates yeah. you know under our belt and our and our wives connecting and the yeah. history there like it wouldn't the simple pragmatism thing can 't be the answer where you 're like right. hey, you have what we need we have what you need let 's like do this thing yeah um so there's there 's an enthusiasm about the, the the relational connection and what could be and um and the the idea of holding leadership with an open hand yeah. our communities and just being able to ask a question, God, what do you want? Uh, we're, you know, we're kind of similarly wired in some ways. So one of the biggest things is what, what does that mean? Like for Josh and I, you know, so we're holding that open hand and I, I like that. I like that ability to, um, have an open hand and ask a question. If we dive into practical, man, uh, it was nice to just show up and start playing some music. I'm not going to lie. That was nice. And the, the, um, we had a couple of, from the well a couple of volunteers helping with sprouts i'm not going to lie that was really nice so there's some short term things i'm i'm excited about the possibility yeah. and then there's the long term things that yeah. seem like we're kind of lock and step with I, where I, heard, you guys, I
0: heard you guys i heard y'all have to bring your own chairs to church is that that's, that's awesome. It's, it's actually, <laughs> it's like, have br- it's ever, brilliant. Have you had someone show up with like a recliner? Because that's what I would do. I just like haul a recliner on the back of a pickup and go, all right, I'm who, in church. Who <laughs> out a- here
1: uh, set up chairs uh, during our time at New Hope for more than five years? Do I New see Hope, more than right. seven years? I did that. At, at, more than
0: 10 years. I count because I did, We, you guys would set up and then real life would tear down. And I did that for a couple years. I'm going to write
1: a book on uh, uh, church plant hacks and it's, one chapter is going to be about how people bring their camp chair. You, no <laughs> need to set up chairs. We're done with that. Just have a camp chair in your, this is awesome. have a camp chair in your back of your vehicle.
0: Yeah, so, And, and I, I will tell you, uh, what excites me um, about collaboration is I, I actually, uh, in, in watching kind of from afar over the past three years, I really love the rudeness that you guys, like the language of neighboring. And uh, there's just something like, incarnational, right? Like God becoming flesh. When we talk about neighboring and, and uh, bringing the gospel to our neighborhoods, I love the deeply rootedness. Um, that's one downside of having a younger church where people are in and out every few years is like when we talk about let's love our city, people go, well, I'm not from this city. I'm gone in a year. Like I don't want to get too many attachments. So actually look at what you guys have been doing with a lot of like holy jealousy in a way to go, oh, I love that, that they're just going deep in relationships and, and developing these deep roots and the tall grass Im- imagery is so rich. So I, I love, uh, I, I don't know that we'll, Sarah and I are just kind of wired to like look at like, okay, who's not here and who needs to be here? But to partner that together with a deep rootedness could be really, uh, really, really good, you know, I think for both of us. So I'm really excited to see what God, might have in store there
1: yeah that that potential synergy between the demographics that we're our churches are comprised of and maybe we're good at reaching uh i get very excited about that you know we're in a university town uh we're right down here city center yeah um, but our roots can go into all sorts of uh, neighborhoods and pockets of community and and uh that would be really good yeah
0: potentially Okay, good. Well, let's. um, I'm going to have Sarah come on up, and I guess the worship team could probably head up too. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts as we hand it over to her?
1: Um, I always have a lot of thoughts, but I know I get the mic. I get the mic next week too. Um, But I I do want to say that you know, we change is inevitable in life, and we've gone through so much change—not just everyone, but our church in particular. I mean, Zoom to the park to Boys and Girls Club, Back to the Park, all these things. And so I would just encourage everyone to, to take this idea, take it to Christ, ask Him about it, pay attention to what's stirring in your own heart, and, and let's just be open, open-handed, yeah. and, and really ask the question, is there a possibility we're better together, and what, what might, that, might that look
0: like? So, awesome, man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. So, hey, thank thanks. you. Thanks. Do I give you right. a hug, bro? Yeah, sounds okay. good. Um, I'll take that. Oh, do you want that? Okay. Good. All right. Thank you. Good. I'm going to have the uh, communion servers. Uh, Katie and Maris, if you all want to come over and then turn yeah. over to Sarah. So, so we're going to take communion
2: together. All right. Thanks, um, bro.
0: It's awesome. It's a way of
2: yeah. uniting, first with God and also with each other. Um, so we want to highlight a couple different things here as we participate in communion individually and also as um, as the body of Christ. Uh, so the first thing that communion is doing is a common union, and it's, a, it's intended to give us a moment of reflection. And the, the practice that uh, we share together is doing this in remembrance of what Jesus did for us, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. That's what that the the bread and the juice represent to us. Those are the the elements that remind us of his sacrifice. And so when we are doing this, we are taking a moment of quiet reflection to reconnect with Jesus and to thank him for his sacrifice. Thank him that the reason that we have constant renewal, the reason that the kingdom of God is advancing in our lives, in our cities, in our families is because of his sacrifice. Um, We're also taking it because we are wanting unity with the body with each other with the new people that you met today right unity within your family so i want to focus our attention on unity unity with god unity within the body Um, but you'll also notice that there are little red solo cups here with the juice and it does look like a hardcore party for five-year-olds um in little tiny, little tiny cups, but the red solo cup even has its own song. If you know, I think it's country music. I think it's a country song. Um, it is a party song. Okay. And so in, in that there's a, there's a reflection, right. And there's a quietness, but there's also a celebration to say that Jesus's sacrifice has brought us new life. And we can even feel the energy of being together and and meeting new people or reconnecting. Um, And so there is a celebration in this. And so I want you to have those two words in mind is unity and celebration as you're uh, taking communion with us today. So logistics, how we're going to do this is we're going to have people come through the center aisle. So you're going to approach the table here through the center aisle and then go back to your seat Uh, return through the side aisles. Uh, You'll be able to use uh, the tongs to serve yourself the bread. We have gluten-free crackers here in the little little glass bowls, and then you can grab a juice and take it back to your seat, okay? So as we're singing, you're welcome to come up whenever you're ready. Um, It doesn't have to be necessarily in order, but just come on up through the center aisle when you're ready um, as we're singing this song together. Uh, You're also welcome to stand for worship.
0: This teaching was recorded in partnership between
2: Tallgrass Community Church and The Well. For more resources like this, visit tallgrass.church and thewellmhk.com.